You'll also remember that the Apostle Paul taught us that uh, when Israel left the Promised Land in the Exodus, uh, they were baptized into Moses. So that's another way that that word baptize is used in the New Testament. Um, the word baptism in the New Testament is used in various different ways. And in our series of messages on the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about baptism in the relationship to the Holy Spirit. That, too, is used in different ways. And so I have tried to come up with a phrase that maybe summarizes the different ways that the New Testament talks about baptism with the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, it's used in lots of different ways in the New Testament. And so I am suggesting to you a summary phrase of spirit baptism. And that's what I want to try to discuss with you today to see what the Bible says about spirit baptism and how can we experience it as followers of the Lord Jesus. And so that's my task today. I'm going to set the, the groundwork for it today. And then next week, I'm going to make a suggestion on how the New Testament ex- uh, offers us the opportunity to participate in spirit baptism and make that part of our daily lives. And so this is really a two-part series on spirit baptism. And uh, hopefully um, we can keep our minds open and we can see how God uses that phrase in different ways in the New Testament. And I'll try to explain that today as we begin. So let's pray and ask God the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Because he wrote the Bible. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the one who moved on God's, God's leaders and inspired the New Testament and the Old Testament. And so as he wrote the New Testament, let's pray that he will guide us in understanding it. Father in heaven, now we come to you thanking you for the great privilege we have of knowing Jesus. It truly is the cry of our heart. Give us Jesus. He is the one that we worship. He is the one who opened the relationship with you. Our commitment is to him. And Lord, we want all that he wants to give us. And I pray today that we would learn how to experience true life that comes from knowing Jesus, that we might be truly spiritually alive. So lead and direct us now as we study your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The theme passage of my messages on the Holy Spirit is found in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. And here's the passage given um, as Jesus goes to one of the feasts and he stands up in the middle of the crowd and he says this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, you'll notice that in that passage, 
the invitation is from Jesus, come to me. He said, believe in me. And he said, drink from me. And when we come to Jesus, Jesus then gives us rivers of living waters so that from within we experience joy, we experience fulfillment, we experience the the pleasures of God, we experience rest and contentment. But it comes from within and Jesus then clarifies, saying that all those blessings come from the Holy Spirit who he will give to us. And that will give us then a vibrant and filling spiritual life. So spiritual fullness and blessing will be ours according to the promise of Jesus. Now, my opinion, my experience as a pastor and my experience as a Christian is that the life that is fully empowered by the Holy Spirit is perhaps the most neglected area of Christian living. It's like wondering why the lamp in our living room doesn't work. And then we look down at the plug and find that it's not plugged in. The same is true with us in our Christian lives. Sometimes we think, well, my Christian life is dull. My Christian life is boring. I have the Christian blahs. And then we examine our lives and we find out we're not plugged in to the power source. Jesus says, come to me and drink from me. And then John clarifies, he says that drink is the Holy Spirit whom God will give to us. And so what I'd like to do is explore with us how we might experience that spiritual blessing. Now, last time we noticed from John chapter 3 that Nicodemus learned that in order to experience the blessings of spiritual life, we must be spiritually alive. Jesus said, you must be born again. Now, that's not something for us to think like Jesus is beating us up. It's an invitation. It's an invitation from Jesus saying, come to me and I will give you spiritual life. I will give you spiritual birth. Because John said, flesh gives birth to flesh. But spirit gives birth to spirit. And so Nicodemus learns that spiritual birth comes from the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, or John says in chapter 1, to all who receive Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God, children born, not of natural sin, not of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. So we learned last week that spiritual birth is a, a great thing that we as Christians experience, but that comes and we become alive by the spiritual birth from the Holy Spirit. And so this morning I'd like to um, review for us this summary phrase of spirit baptism um, that might describe for us uh, different ways that we might understand what it means to be spiritually alive. So I'd like to suggest this as a definition of spirit baptism. Spirit baptism is both Another way to describe being born again. Spirit baptism is a way in which we might describe the experience of having spiritual life. And it's used that way many times in the New Testament. Spirit baptism, it's nearly not a word that is found in the New Testament. It's a summary word that I'm suggesting to you to summarize all the different ways that the Holy Spirit baptism is described in the New Testament. 
That's something that describes being born again. But I'd also like to suggest to you that spirit baptism is a phrase that describes something that happens to us after we are born again. I'm suggesting it happens many times after we are born again. It's not just a one-time experience. You know, I've got the spirit baptism. What I'd like to suggest to you is that spirit baptism might be described as a spiritual fullness. Uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon us for an anointing. The Holy Spirit coming upon us and giving us a fullness, a fresh drink from Jesus. That's his invitation. Come to me and drink from me and I will give you a spiritual drink. And I'm suggesting that this is one way that we can describe that is Jesus will give us a spirit baptism. Not just one time, but what I'm suggesting is that that will happen many times over. And I'd like to try to show you how the evidence for that opinion uh, seems clear in the New Testament. And the way that I'd like to do that is take it to to Acts chapter 2. And I'd like us to examine two groups of people that Luke, the author of Acts, describes in the book of Acts that, uh, that were there on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, it seems to me that there are two different groups of people that had two separate experiences with the Holy Spirit. And so I'd like to look at the 120 of Jesus' closest followers. And then I'd like to look at the 3,000 unbelievers who listened to Peter's evangelistic sermon and responded to Peter's evangelistic sermon. Both groups, I would suggest, experienced a spirit baptism. So, remember, this is just my summary phrase of this word. So let's look at these two two groups. First, let's look at the 3,000. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized in water, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, the Feast of Pentecost was one of the feasts where pilgrims would come from all over Israel to Jerusalem, and they would celebrate a week-long celebration of the harvest. And so Pentecost was a celebration that was full of great joy, great celebrating. It was a time where people would anticipate being together and having a great time together. And when these people all came, they saw uh, and heard the gospel being preached in their own native dialect, their own native language. And they were wondering, what's going on here with all this message that's happening that we're hearing in our own language? And so Peter then takes this opportunity to clarify what's happening and he preaches a sermon and he shares the gospel with them, talks about the crucifixion and death and resurrection of Jesus. And then he gives them an invitation. And here's the invitation found in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 to 39. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized in water, every one of you, In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, 
for all whom the Lord our God will call. Notice the promise that Peter makes in this statement. Believe in Jesus by faith for the forgiveness of sins. It always starts with Jesus. Jesus is always the one that we come to. And then he says, repent of your sins and be baptized in water, and you will receive from Jesus, as we learned in John chapter 3, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is the gift that brings conversion, the gift that causes them to be born again, the gift that comes when we trust Jesus, the gift of salvation that Jesus gives. And then in verse 41, which we just read, the Bible tells us that these 3,000 did that. They repented. They trusted Jesus. They were baptized. And there's no reason to believe that God did not keep his promise. The promise would be that he gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit and they became born again. Now, Peter describes Christian conversion being the result of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not called spirit baptism. It just speaks of receiving the gift of the Spirit. But I'm suggesting that spirit baptism and the gift of the Holy Spirit is the same thing. And the reason why I'm suggesting that is because of what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Paul says, For we were all baptized by or with, I'll talk about that in a minute, one spirit. And what happens when we are baptized with one spirit? It says, well, then we form one body. It's got to be talking about conversion. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so it seems to me that the Apostle Paul here is saying, when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, he's talking about conversion and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit in the words of the Apostle Paul means we are baptized with him. See what I mean when I say that the word baptize is used different ways in the New Testament? You undoubtedly notice that I bracketed the word with. And the reason I did that is because whenever this phrase, baptized with the Holy Spirit, appears in the New Testament, it's always translated with, except in this one verse. Um, you know, I'm suggesting that the preposition with and by, that's the same Greek word. And you can translate it by or with either way. And I'll talk about that more in a minute. But here Paul says that he, along with his readers, were baptized, I suggest, with the Holy Spirit and to form the body of Christ, and I suggest that that's spirit baptism. The same thing happened to the 3,000 in Acts chapter 2. Peter said that non-believers, if they trust Jesus Christ, they will receive a gift, or in the words of the Apostle Paul, they will be baptized with, the Holy Spirit, and you will become born again. And as a consequence, both the 3,000 in Acts 2 and Paul's listeners in Corinth were all uh, born again, and in union with other believers, they were in the body of Christ. So what I'd like to suggest in summary, spirit baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, being born again, I would suggest is all the same event. 
So let's go back and review my initial premise. Spirit baptism is both another way to describe being born again, and it's a phrase that describes something that happens after we are born again. So let's talk about what happens after we are born again, and to do that, let's look at the 120 believers that are described for us in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And here's what this text says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Notice it talks again about with the Holy Spirit. Now, these were 120 of Jesus' most dedicated followers. This account describes what I believe is a fulfillment of a promise given by John the Baptist, and it's repeated three times. And here are the three times that John the Baptist makes this promise to believers. First, John the Baptist says in Matthew 3, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you, and the NIV translates it, with the Holy Spirit and power. Again, in Mark chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the strips of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And again, in Luke chapter 3, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, the fact that these verses are all so similar and that they all appear in the three synoptic gospels should take us, make us take notice. The audience of John the Baptist is promised that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I would suggest to you that this happened in Acts chapter 2 to the 120 believers. We have that incident reported by Luke, the author of Acts, in chapter 1. Look what he says. On one occasion when he was eating with them, Jesus gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Spirit. And so there specifically Jesus said these promises from John the Baptist are fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Sometime in the future, those who are listening to Jesus will be baptized with the Spirit. Now, I would suggest to you that these listeners are already believers. They already were born again. They loved the law of God. They had an inner hunger for God. And after the resurrection, but before Pentecost, there was spiritual vitality in them. Luke 24, 
And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Here's what Pastor John Piper says. Here's a group of men worshipping Jesus. They have great joy. They're blessing God through Jesus in the temple. These are not unregenerate disciples waiting to be born again by the arrival of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) These are regenerate disciples. Believers in the Lord Jesus waiting for something special to happen to them. But on the day of Pentecost, that something did happen to them. On this day, they experienced a new spiritual fullness. A fullness not available to those in the Old Testament. A fullness that is available now to the New Testament because Jesus was crucified was resurrected, he ascended into heaven, and now he sends it to us. This is a speaking of the experience of fullness of the Spirit who's already living in them because they were regenerate, but it's a baptism that is available after being born again. Now to clarify this, notice this important passage from John the Baptist in John chapter 1. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Who? Jesus. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, and here it is, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. What makes this very important verse is that the phrase, the one who will baptize, in the original language, is what we call a present participle. And that means present continuous action. Something that happens all the time. Something that happens over and over and over and over again. It means that Jesus baptizes people over and over and over again with the Holy Spirit. The ESV even translates this verse this way. Uh, The English Standard Version, which is a really good version of the Bible, says this is he who baptizes, present tense, with the Holy Spirit. And so this indicates that it's a distinct ministry of Jesus, an ongoing ministry to baptize believers with the Holy Spirit. To give believers a fresh experience over and over and over again. To give believers power on high. A special anointing for a special ministry or a special mission. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, so that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. So this is something that Jesus gives us, a gift and anointing of the Holy Spirit that Jesus sends to us in order to accomplish a mission. As with the 3,000, the idea of spirit baptism refers to conversion, but now we learn that it also refers to spiritual blessing after conversion. And I would suggest to you that this is what Jesus said when he invited us, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. 
and I will give you a fresh baptism, a fresh filling, a fresh anointing, fresh power that comes from the Holy Spirit from within. Because that's what I do, Jesus says. I give you power and I send the Holy Spirit to come unto you. So I would suggest to you that there are four components of this summary phrase that doesn't appear in the New Testament that I've just given you to help us understand what, what I've been describing. Spirit baptism, here it is. The baptizer is Jesus. We always come to Jesus. Give me Jesus. What a wonderful song. That's what we need. Come to Jesus. But then what does he do? Well, the ones being baptized, when we come to him and trust in Jesus, are given then the element of the Holy Spirit. And that's the word with. We come to Jesus. He gives us a spirit baptism with the Holy Spirit. And here's the consequence. Salvation and incorporation into the body of Christ is exemplified by the 3,000. And then a spiritual felling and newfound power and blessing exemplified by the 120 and all believers after them, you and me. It's a promise from Jesus. If we come to him and ask for a drink, he will give us a drink so that from within will come rivers of living water. Given all this information, the Holy Spirit does not baptize people with himself. Rather, the Holy Spirit is the one with whom Jesus baptizes those who come to him. Two groups of people. Unbelievers who are born again, exemplified by the 3,000, exemplified by the believers in Corinth that Paul says that they were baptized and incorporated into the body of Christ, their salvation experience. But it also talks about believers, exemplified by the 120, who experience the fullness and power from the Holy Spirit, and it's exemplified by us. We who come to Jesus, respond to his invitation, come to me and drink. Therefore, I would like to suggest that you think about this. Everyone who is spiritually alive, Everyone who is spiritually alive, project this, would you? Everyone who is spiritually alive, those of us who have responded to Christ, have been baptized by Jesus with the Holy Spirit for salvation. There's nothing more you need to do. You have been baptized with the Holy Spirit for salvation. In fact, the Bible says if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to God. <laughs> and so, if you trust Christ, you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit for salvation. And from time to time, you will again be baptized with the Holy Spirit for spiritual fullness. Spirit baptism for spiritual birth, spirit baptism for spiritual fullness. Now, there are many practical and relevant applications to this. Today, I make two. One, we receive spirit baptism at conversion. 
we have every spiritual blessing available to us. If you trust in Jesus by faith for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the John 3 experience. The Spirit has given you new birth. You have been baptized with the Spirit. You are now spiritually alive and have the fullness of spiritual life. Notice what Paul says in Ephesians 1. He says, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you hear what that says? We have everything. We have everything available. I say available because God's blessings need to be activated. Kind of like when you get a credit card. You've got to activate your credit card. That's what every spiritual blessing needs. We need to activate it. So how do we activate it? Well, we come to Jesus and drink. Secondly, I'd like to suggest that the ongoing experience of spirit baptism for believers is the second step in the joyful lifestyle of repentance. Now, hopefully you remember that phrase from my preaching agnosium on this subject of repentance over the last several months. Remember what the three steps are? The first step is if you recognize that you're falling into sin, you stop and turn. That's step number one. Remember what step number two is? Present yourself to God. That's what, if, that's what Romans chapter 6 says. Do not go on presenting your bodies as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as instruments of righteousness. I would suggest to you that present yourself to God means come to Jesus for a drink. Come to Jesus for a fresh filling, a freshness of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you will be empowered then to live a new lifestyle of pleasing God and freedom from the chains of sinfulness. Jesus invites us to come and drink. And I'm suggesting that one cause of lack of spiritual vitality and power in a Christian's life is because we are spiritually dehydrated. We're dehydrated. We don't drink from Jesus. We don't experience the spiritual power that is available to us. Now, I'll elaborate on this next week and exactly how we can mine this spiritual power, how we can experience this spiritual power on a regular basis. But for now, here's a question I pose for us to contemplate. Are we, as followers of Jesus, missing out on God's blessing, on his fullness, on his vital power, because we are neglecting the truth that God is offering to give us a fresh baptism, a fresh filling, a fresh drink from the Holy Spirit? Are we missing out? Because we are not coming to Jesus to drink. And we will ponder that and explore that more next week. Shall we pray together?
Lord, this has been a lot of information. I hope it hasn't been information overload. But this idea of spirit baptism seems to be so confusing and it really doesn't need to be. Because the commands are repeated seven times where John the Baptist and the quotes from John the Baptist says, He who comes will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That refers to conversion, obviously. But it also refers to a spiritual blessing offered to believers in fulfillment of Jesus' invitation, come to me and drink. Lord, what a joyful opportunity. What a tremendous opportunity to come to Jesus and drink. I pray, Lord, that we would do that often, every day, if we need to. When you call us to witness to somebody, I pray that we would come to you and drink and receive a fresh filling, a fresh baptism from you to do the work of evangelism. When you call us to help somebody going through a crisis, pray that we would come to you and drink and receive a fresh filling, a fresh baptism, a fresh anointing to be able to counsel them according to the truth of your word. When you call us to go through a trial, a struggle, to battle cancer, to deal with the death of a loved one. I pray that we would come to you and drink and receive a fresh baptism, a fresh filling, a fresh power from you so that we might be able to have the strength to respond to the issue of our lives. Lord, help us to be spiritually hydrated, to walk in your power, that we might keep in step with your spirit, that we might be able to live our lives in a way that would honor and lift up the Lord Jesus, who is the one who makes it possible for us. Lord, help us now as we contemplate these verses, this, this message, and I pray, Lord, that you would give us your grace to fully embrace and understand what you would have for us in your word, which you inspired. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.